The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Affiliate marketing is changing rapidly. The balance of power is shifting, and in some cases, affiliates are growing larger than the brands they represent. Stay ahead of this and other trends with the Affiliate Marketing Insider. Affiliate Marketing Insider explores the fast-changing world of affiliate marketing from the perspective of one of its most recognized experts. Host Linda Woods leads this ongoing discussion of important industry issues and emerging trends through her own experiences with the whales of the industry, from CEOs to super affiliates to high-impact players. It's time to get inside with the Affiliate Marketing Insider. Here is your host... Welcome to Affiliate Marketing Insider on WebmasterRadio.fm, the show that explores ideas and innovations in affiliate and internet marketing. I'm your host, Wade Sisson. Today, my guest is Chris Moore, a self-described digital nomad who is a blogger, vlogger, and conference speaker who helps people understand new media and how it can help their business. Welcome to the program, Chris. Hi, Wade. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Why don't you start by giving us a little bit about your background? Um, well, I guess I've been working in uh, the online media space for five years. I uh, started off in uh, search engine reputation management, and uh, from there it naturally led down the, the path of uh, more diverse search engine marketing. Um, for a couple years, I worked for an affiliate marketing agency where we developed software, uh, managed programs, and currently I work for a digital marketing agency called NVI, uh, where we pretty much handle every aspect of um, online revenue strategy. Everything from uh, search engine marketing to affiliate marketing, web development, you name it. Great. So you speak our language. That's wonderful. <laughs> A lot of our listeners today are looking for new ways to advertise their affiliate offers in the new year to drive traffic and earn more commissions. And that's kind of why I asked you to join the show today to share your advice on planning an effective advertising budget that goes beyond Google AdWords. Uh, what's the first step you would recommend an affiliate should take in devising a, an advertising budget? Um, well, really, they probably want to figure out uh, what their average cost per acquisition is. Um, if you don't know that, you don't know what's a good price to pay for that acquisition. So if you know you can refer a, um, a user to a program you're promoting and make, let's say, $10 off of that, you definitely don't want to pay more than $10 per acquisition. Um, and then, of course, from there, you're going to have to look at your own business costs and figure out what kind of profit margins you're, you're, you're trying to generate. So if it's not worth your time to make uh, out of that $10 uh, commission you might get, if it's not worth your time to make, spend any more than half of that, well, then you know right there that uh, you, you have a $5 profit margin that you're comfortable with. Um, so pause. Sorry. Uh, I'm going to take it right from the top. Is that all right? Um, the first thing you want to do is you want to figure out what your average cost per acquisition is. Um, once you know what it costs you to uh, acquire um, the average user, you know how much you're willing to spend. In, in the case of an affiliate, however, it's just not a question of bringing the user in. It's bringing the user in and then referring them. So you have a little bit more math to do there. Um, you know how much you're willing, once you know how much you're willing to invest to bring them to your site, whether it's a coupon site or a blog, 
you've got to figure out on average how many of them you're going to be able to refer to whatever program you're promoting. Um, so if, for example, it costs you on average $5 to acquire a user that you can then refer at a profit, um, however, only 1 in 10 of your acquired users ever get referred, this is something you've got to take into account when figuring out how much to put aside for your online marketing budget. Sure. Um, and I think one of the things that we that our listeners are certainly going to be wondering about is how do you identify how you're going to get the best bang for your buck, especially given the current state of the economy? What should they look for when they're identifying which ad networks or partners to work with? Um, well, I guess the first part of the, my answer to that question would be you really have to understand your market. Um, if you're just entering into a new market that you're not that familiar with, I would stick to the more conventional channels such as Google AdWords. Um, only if you're actually, you have some experience and you really understand the market well would I then recommend trying to branch out into what they call the second tier ad networks, whether they're PPC ad networks or uh, social media ad networks. From there, I would have to say that once you understand your market, you have to find a network that actually has users that fit that demographic. Now, in the case of Google AdWords, it's great because you're looking for users who are interested in certain things and you're able to target them based on the search terms that they're entering into Google, the keywords. However, in the case of um, social media ad networks or impression-based networks, depending on the network, you're going to get a different kind of user demographic. So if, for example, you're an affiliate who's promoting coupons, it's not going to make very much sense for you to advertise on LinkedIn. First of all, LinkedIn is very expensive, but more to the point, LinkedIn is all about business professionals. And when someone's doing business networking on LinkedIn, they're not going to be too interested in saving a few bucks on their groceries that week. However, you, right. m- you might be able to look at an impression-based ad network that deals with um, a lot of bloggers, a lot of shopping bloggers, a lot of mommy bloggers, people who have the type of people who are interested in the products and services that you're promoting. So it all comes down to targeting. So when you start looking around for other networks, you always have to ask yourself, who are the publishers that these networks are working for? Is the network um, a publisher's own internal network, such as in LinkedIn, or is a network dealing with a whole bunch of other publishers, uh, content publishers, such as bloggers and other informational websites? And if you think you've spotted um, an ad network that might appeal to uh, the kind of users that you're going after, I would say the next best thing to do is look on their site, see if they offer any demographic or any uh, niche-related data on their users, and if not, pick up the phone or drop them in the email and get that information before you invest a single dollar in advertising through them. Yeah, that's a good tip. Um, one of the things that was interesting in the, the recent blog post that you did that I read for planning your ad budget for this year was when you went into specific detail about each of the social media ad networks that you consider the strongest. We've already talked about LinkedIn. Talk to us a little bit about Facebook ads and when you should use that. Um, you know, Facebook ads is a funny beast. It's something that everyone is interested in, but uh, everyone I've spoken to personally, and everyone I've read feedback from, uh, they've all had very mixed results and mixed feelings about Facebook. Now, I think the interesting thing about Facebook is it's a platform that is really geared towards users. It's geared towards users so much that the only content that users are consuming on Facebook 
is content from their actual personal social network. So really they're only there to interact with other people. And this makes advertising a little bit more challenging because it's not like they're really just interacting with content and you can put your promotion alongside that content as additional content. But the content they're interacting with is representative of other people. It reflects the relationships they have with them. So that's a little bit of a challenge for advertisers. So what you want to do on Facebook is you want to make sure that your campaigns are very highly targeted. Now, being a social network, the nature of Facebook is such that you can highly target ads. You can quickly go uh, to Facebook's ad page and type in a few criteria and get an idea of how many people on Facebook fit the demographic that you're looking for. So I'd say step one is really understand your demographic. Um, If you're pushing coupons, what kind of coupons are you pushing? Once you know that, what kind of people download those coupons the most. And then use that demographic criteria in Facebook to see how many people you can potentially target. Um, I I think with Facebook, the key thing is um, hyper-targeting. It's getting exposure to people who are not only interested in your products and services that you're promoting, but their network or the segment of their network of people who who have similar interests. So... What I would do with Facebook is I would start off uh, with a very small test budget. I would run as many demographics through Facebook ads as possible. I'd give them age. I'd give them gender. I'd give them geolocation. So in the case of an affiliate, let's say you've seen a lot of conversions coming out of a specific city. We'll only target people in that city with that demographic. And Facebook will give you an exact count of how many people fit your criteria. You might only find 102 potential profiles that fit that. Well, that's fine. Run the ad for those 102 profiles. See how it converts. And once you tweak it around and you're getting good conversions, then start loosening up the criteria bit by bit and test and see where it goes. So if you knock off the age criteria, you're obviously going to see a drop in your conversions, but will you get a high enough, um, rather a drop in your conversion rate, but will you be getting a, a high enough volume to offset that? Once you figure out how to get a high enough volume to offset that drop in conversion rate, you can start trimming off other demographics and get a better idea for what call to actions are better for going after a wider base of users on Facebook. At the end of the day, though, you have to kind of prepare yourself. Depending on the product you're promoting, it just might not fly on Facebook. Um, People, at the end of the day, they are there to interact with other people. They are there for relationships. And while some people I know have had really great successes on Facebook, most of the people I've talked to have had relatively mediocre ones, and some have blown their money with no results whatsoever. Let me give you a concrete example. I have a colleague who does media buying for one of the top five major dating sites online. And six months ago, even though Facebook had long surpassed MySpace, they were still, still seeing much better conversions from MySpace than they were seeing from Facebook. And their reasoning was this. Well, on Facebook, it's all about people. It's all about relationships. It's all about expanding your network through your existing contacts. Well, that's a perfect fit for dating. If I'm in a dating mindset and I'm going on Facebook, I'm not going to look at your ads for a dating product. I can do all that work on my own. However, in my space, things are 
less tone that way. You're in a different mindset when you're on MySpace. You're looking more for entertainment. There's still more of a music and media angle. And for that reason, I might actually pay attention to a dating app, um, a little armchair psychology. On MySpace, I'm looking at a lot of uh, cleavage-rich avatars. I'm looking at a lot of artists who are trying to promote themselves, and they try to do. part of the way they do that is trying to make them make themselves look more appealing, look more sexy. And I think that's one reason why MySpace probably worked better for dating in this case than Facebook did. So really understand uh, how compatible the product you're promoting is with the kind of mindset that the user's in. And in the case of Facebook, they're in a very social mindset, and they're not so much in the same, I guess, consumption mindset that you might get them through other ad networks. Um, there are a few other social media um, options out there. What has your experience been with Stumble Upon ads? Um, Stumble Upon, I've actually we've had some really great experiences. Um, I haven't personally run any campaigns on Stumble Upon, but at NVI we've run quite a few for our clients. And the great thing about Stumble Upon is you can actually appeal directly to users who are interested in the kind of content you're going after. Now. Of course, there are limitations. For those of you who don't really aren't that familiar with StumbleUpon, it's really a, a social network or a social site recommendation network where you can recommend content, and it will be expo- and it will be randomly shown to other users who are interested in that kind of content. So on right, StumbleUpon, you couldn't really like from, Dig, for example. Yeah, it's, it's similar, but on st- whereas on Dig, I go to the homepage and I see what the top Doug stories are today, or I look at my own network of contacts and I see what they're digging. On StumbleUpon, I actually have a browser toolbar where I can hit uh, click a next button, and it will randomly show me a website that relates to the interest that I gave StumbleUpon. But, of course, in StumbleUpon, and this goes probably for Dig as well, you can't just throw a random... Uh, a random landing page at users. So the first thing you want to do if you want to branch out into uh, using StumbleUpon ads is you want to provide something. You want to provide a more interactive call to action. Um, maybe one of the ways you're promoting one of your programs is uh, through a survey or a quiz, and that's how you're getting the eyeballs on the offer. For example, put together a quick little survey or a quick little test that users can do to find something out about themselves, and it's alongside the uh, the offer you're promoting that month. And then you could submit it to StumbleUpon, and you go into StumbleUpon, and you pay per visit. So you simply say, I want people who are interested in this topic and within this age group, because you know that these people uh, tend to consume the type of promotion that you're pushing. And then you pay flat out. I believe it was, uh, on average, about 50 cents a visit. So to an extent, it's Kind of, it offers you the same uh, cost benefit that uh, AdWords would, but without the the problem, without the challenges of having to bid on the AdWord. You know that if you invest um, five hundred dollars, you are going to get X amount of eyeballs. So, um, also in the case of StumbleUpon, I would suggest starting off uh, lower. You know, do uh, I forget what their minimum is off the top of my head, but. Set up a campaign. Make sure your, your, your page that you want to send people to is a little bit interactive and entertaining. And um, run one test campaign. See how it goes. If you get you know, all 1,000 eyeballs and not a single one converts, then you know that either A, stumble upon isn't right for you, or B, they're, 
is something wrong with your call to action that you might want to adjust. And at the end of the day, you might not be able to really, I guess, calibrate that call to action with the stumble upon audience. Uh, the stumble upon audience, they want, they want to be entertained. Uh, they they want to surf the net and they want to find new exciting things that they can stumble upon and then re-stumble for other people. One last thing I want to throw in about stumble upon is if you do manage to put together a landing page that pushes your promotion that does resonate with stumble users, they will re-stumble it, which means um, it will get a little bit more of trust authority within the network. And the more times, in our experience, the more times that a promotion gets re-stumbled, uh, the, higher the, the, the more quickly that the conversion rate increases. Absolutely, because then it becomes a viral thing where people trust it and they're recommending it to one another. Um, I think it's important that we, talk, that we started this talk today about social media advertising venues because, as you said in your blog post, Chris, only about 5% of page views come from search. Uh, this is a good time to take a break, but when we come back from the break, I want to focus on um, alternatives to Google, Bing, and Yahoo for paid search advertising. And that's something we get a lot of questions about is what can I do if I don't want to use the big three? So when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that. We're talking with Chris Moore on Affiliate Marketing Insider, and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. More Affiliate Marketing Insider when we return. Anyway, I ask. That's right, ma'am. Anyway, you ask. Let me get this straight. If I wanted your CEO to deliver my check while juggling flaming machetes on the back of an Asian elephant, all I have to do is ask? Correct. With in-demand affiliates, you can tell us exactly how you want your payouts and we will deliver. God, uh, could you hold on for a second? Someone's at the door. Wow, you weren't kidding. We are in demand. You can be too. Sign up today at the letter ndemandaffiliates.com. Charles, come on up and tell us about the great ROI we're getting from RevenueWire. Thank you. Since I signed up with RevenueWire, conversions have increased dramatically. RevenueWire has an integrated shopping cart called SafeCart that offers highly accurate sales tracking, boosting our conversions through the roof. And now that they've added multiple international currencies to SafeCart, we're looking forward to seeing significant increases in our overseas sales of PC utility software from LavaSoft, PC Tools, Pareto Logic, and Avonquest. With up to 75% commission, real-time sales tracking, free in-depth sales analytics and reporting tools, campaign optimization resources, and now weekly payments for top-performing affiliates, our sales are climbing higher and higher, thanks to RevenueWire. Find out more at RevenueWire.com. Are you tired of standing around while everyone gets rich? Want to be an affiliate marketer that makes six figures online every month? Then let me introduce you to MediaBuyersCoach.com. MediaBuyersCoach.com, recently launched by Carl Fiorentino and Will Hamrell, will give you the tools and the knowledge that will make you money. They've been training affiliates for over five years now and are experts in their field. If you haven't been approved by a CPA network, then get approved through our own CPA network. If you're new to affiliate marketing or want to expand into other areas, let Carl and Will at MediaBuyersCoach.com give you the tools to begin and the knowledge to succeed. Sign up and start making money today at MediaBuyersCoach.com. That's MediaBuyersCoach.com. Ecom Experts, Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. 
We now return to Affiliate Marketing Insider, only on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back to Affiliate Marketing Insider. We're here with Chris Moore talking about advertising budgets for 2010. And before the break, we talked about social media advertising networks and advertising possibilities. And now we're going to talk a little bit about alternatives to the traditional PPC ad networks, Google, Yahoo, and Bing. And Chris, one of the first ones I wanted to talk to you about was um, Ask Sponsored Listings. Okay, well, um, you know, to tell you the truth, Wade, it's been a, a couple years since I personally managed or ran a campaign on a, on a second-tier uh, search engine. That being said, I did get my start in search engine marketing working for a second-tier search engine. Um, so I'll try to answer your questions as best as possible. Uh, I guess my feedback would be more from a, a theoretical or a strategic level rather than an actual tactical hands-on one, but go right ahead. Uh, what do you want to know about Ask? I wanted, I wanted to talk to you about second-tier networks and what you recommend, because that's one thing people ask us all the time is, if I don't want to use just Google, Yahoo, and Bing, if I want to diversify, what other options are out there? What do you recommend? Okay, well, I guess there's two instances in which you want to start looking at the, the so-called second-tier search engines. Um, the first one is when you've pretty much uh, maximized performance uh, for your budget in the top tier, but you still have a little budget to spend, then you might want to consider the second tier. The second instance is if uh, you're looking to pay for clicks, but it's in a vertical that is uh, so competitive that it just doesn't fit your cost structure. Um, you know, on AdWords, sometimes you can get into, uh, you can be in an industry or a niche where you're going to end up paying $30 a click. Now, if as an affiliate that's not within your budget, then you might want to start looking at the second-tier guys. Similarly, um, if you've completely optimized your search engine marketing budget on Yahoo, on Bing, on, on Google, and no matter how much testing and tweaking you've done, you haven't been able to squeeze any more out of it, and the only way to get more would be to, I don't know, double down your budget. But you don't have the funds to double down your budget. You only have, a, I guess, a marginal or residual surplus. Then you might want to take that marginal or residual surplus and invest it in the second tier. And uh, probably a good place to start would be um, Ask an AOL. But um, there's also uh, smaller second tier networks such as uh, MarchX and, and Mevo, which uh, could be worth looking into depending on uh, the type of promotion or the product that you're, that you're, that you're pushing. Okay. And so talk to us about if an affiliate comes to you and says they want to diversify their, their ad spend in this year, what is the first thing you tell them with, as far as PPC goes? Where should they start if, let's say, they haven't even done it before? What's the first okay. step? Well, if someone has never uh, dabbled in PPC at all before, um, I would encourage them to actually start with AdWords. And uh, that's just really from, from a quality standpoint. Um, Google offers some of the, the best reporting on campaigns and some of the best insights. And uh, because it offers such versatile tracking and reporting tools, it can really help you understand uh, how to manage your your PPC bidding and how to manage your PPC campaigns before you branch out into into the second tier. If they do have some experience, I would say first off the bat, I would ask them what, what they're looking to promote. 
you know, if they're looking to push, this is a shady example, but if they're looking to promote pharmaceuticals, well, then they might be more interested in one search engine than if they were looking to promote coupons. Um, Sure. Certain second-tier search engines uh, have are either strong in particular, stronger in particular verticals, or they have strategic partnerships with certain content sites. Um, just to give you uh, one example, uh, if you take ad-sponsored listings, uh, they're partnered with CNET. So if you're uh, promoting gadgetry, uh, software, anything technological, and you still have some residual budget or you want to diversify, you know, ask sponsored listings would make a little bit more sense than, say, um, I don't know, Miva. It's been a long time since I run a campaign on Miva. I don't know what their, their technology-related bids are like, uh, but it's just an example. But look at their strategic partnerships. Um, you know, Ask is also partnered with Excite, Mama, Dogpile, these other second-tier search engines, which means when you advertise with, through Ask, you're aver- actually advertising not through one search engine, but four. And you're also getting access to uh, the content networks that they have deals with, such as CNET. So, right. Well, I agree with you that Google AdWords is a good place to start. But um, when it comes time to start diversifying and adding on other networks, talk to us a little bit about what is the advantage of, of being on one more than one PPC network at the same time? Um, well, I guess it's uh, not having all your eggs in one basket. Um, just imagine if uh, you're promoting a product, a relatively new product or a relatively new industry, and you're only promoting in Google, and then one day Google changes its terms of service and you can no longer promote those things, all of a sudden you went from running, let's say, $500 worth of advertising a day to running none, and your traffic's going to take a serious hit, which means you're going to have zero revenue while you readjust your strategy. Uh, on the on the other hand, if you're running uh, campaigns in Google and in Bing uh, and in Ask and in Miva, if one of those search engines or even if Google changes their terms of service, you're insulated from, from that shift. Um, Google also has a, can, tends to have more strict rules across different jurisdictions, whereas um, other PPC uh, engines will have looser rules. So whereas Google will um, only let you target um, users for a certain kind of promotion in one jurisdiction, other search engines will might let you reach them across half a dozen or even all jurisdictions. I think one, uh, again, it's a bad example because it's a shady one, but uh, take online gambling. <laughs> now, online gambling uh, has been outlawed in the U.S., I think, since 2005 or 2006. And once it got outlawed, Google said, okay, no more advertising on AdWords uh, for gambling-related keywords whatsoever. However, um, as a few European jurisdictions, um, I guess, regulated or legislated online gambling and said it was perfectly legal, Google decided to open up AdWords to gambling in those jurisdictions again. Uh, One is the UK, another one is Ireland, there's Austria, Australia... And uh, there's a fifth I can't remember. But if you're trying to reach, let's say, um, poker players, let's say you're promoting a um, a poker book or poker tips, uh, but you're not actually promoting a casino, you're going to have a harder time getting your ads shown through Google because even though you're not promoting gambling, uh, there is a, a bit of a quality score barrier there. 
So by branching out, you might be able to access markets that Google didn't offer you. Um, and finally, there's a, there's a question of control. You know, if you're advertising across only a single network, as much data as you get, that data is only being seen through a single kind of lens. When you spread your your campaigns uh, across the board, you start getting to see um, your rather you get to examine your market from a number of different perspectives, and you can gain a lot of valuable insight. Um, you know, if you notice. Users through Google tend to convert only for a certain ad uh, and only at a certain time of day, but users through Ask um, convert for other ads and at other times of the day. You get to ask yourself why, and you get to start figuring out um, how to optimize all your respective campaigns. So in a sense, by branching out away from just AdWords, you can actually gain insight that you can bring back to AdWords and use to get more out of your AdWords itself. Chris, I want to thank you for joining us today to share your insights into advertising opportunities for the new year. And I'd like you to tell us a little bit about where we can read more from you. I know you're a, a, a frequent blogger. Where can we go to read more from you? Um, I, bro- I blog a couple times a month at revenues.com. Uh, it's a little bit more on the sporadic side, uh, especially at the beginning of a quarter. I um, also contribute uh, to the NVI blog, which is uh, nvisolutions.com slash blog. And uh, there's my personal blog, which is gypsybandito.com. Um, the name I know sounds a little bit ridiculous, but it's uh, inspired <laughs> by the idea of being a digital nomad. Um, and on there you can find everything from uh, tactical SEO and affiliate marketing uh, insight to uh, more fun and informal video blogs or even perspective on the agency life. Great. Well, thanks again for being with us today and for sharing your insights. That's all the time we have for today. I want to thank everyone for joining us on Affiliate Marketing Insider for a conversation with Chris Moore. Please tune in at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, every Thursday for another edition of Affiliate Marketing Insider on webmasterradio.fm.